0: Anyone else besides me think like Jason Bourne should be like ripping through that screen when that video is over? And then the lights come up and you got me. And you think it's disappointing for you. <laughs> uh, my name's Kyle. We're so glad you're here today. Um, we don't have an easy subject this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about lust. And if you're thinking, oh boy, listen, you just have to sit and listen. I have to stand up here and talk. So you got the way easier end of this deal today. In fact, uh, I went around and asked all of our pastors. I did individually. I said, man, you want to preach this Sunday? And they all laughed at me, like literally all laughed out loud at me. And really didn't say anything else, which was to say, I think, hey, you're the lead pastor. This one's on you, bro. So anyway, um, it's your first day here. We want to say welcome to you. We are so glad that you are here and I just want to kind of tell you that we try our best to talk about hard stuff here at Holland Chapel, because we know life is full of hard stuff. And what we're going to talk about today is real life. It's stuff that all of us deal with and all of us are impacted by. And so we pray that, as we lean into today, that God can use our time together to help you um, in your journey. There's some things we need to know, a couple things in particular I think we need to know before we really get rolling in this. Um, One um, is that we all have an enemy. You have an enemy. I have an enemy. um, And we have a name for him. Most of us would refer to him as Satan. A lot of times we call him the devil. He hates my guts, he hates your guts. Um, In fact, the scripture says that he is a thief and a liar. So if his mouth is moving, he is lying. Um, He might give you a, a certain amount of truth, but he is always going to mix in a lie in the middle of it and try to dupe you, try to trick you, because his mission is clear. Scripture says that he has come to steal from us, to kill us, and to destroy us. And so Satan's coming after you, he's coming after me, and I know that's not the best news in the whole wide world, but it's real and you need to know it, okay? But on the flip side, another thing we need to know. So we have Jesus. He is our friend. He is our Savior. He is for us and he is with us. And he is not going to sit by idly while the enemy attacks us. And he is going to give us what we desperately need in our lives. In fact, as it says about the enemy Satan who has come to kill and to steal and to destroy, on the opposite end of that it says, But Jesus came to give life and to give it to us more abundantly. And so, he's got protection for you, and he's also got a really incredible life plan for you that we need to experience, and we can only experience through him. So, again, today we're talking about lust. And as I say that word lust out loud, there's probably some other words that would be applicable here and maybe coming to your mind as you hear that word um, words like guilt, shame, hurt, pain. And embarrassment. Some of us have been guilty of lust. Some of us have been hurt deeply by lust. We've all been deeply affected by lust. It's one of the many character assassins that our enemy deploys against us, that he's got the crosshairs on you for. So as we get this thing going of being in the crosshairs, I want you to listen closely to the words of that deep theologian uh, whose name was Freddie Mercury, who said, let me go. Will not let you go. Let me go. Will not let you go. Let me go. Ah. No, 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 no. Oh, mama mia, mama mia. Mama mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil, devil for me put aside for me, for me, for me. I don't know if you're catching what he's saying right there, but it's deep. Some of us right now with this thing of lust, we're like, let me go. And it's like, I'm not letting you go. I don't want you anymore. It's like, I'm still coming after you. And we are trapped right now. And every single one of us have a devil, if you will, set aside for us. We have a crosshairs on our forehead or on our chest ready to take us out. Last week, we talked about pride. And a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about things like anger and greed. All of these things coming to take us out to destroy our relationships, to do irreparable damage to our character, to wipe out our marriage, to destroy our families. Lust is no different, and it has us in the crosshairs, and it wants to take us out. I want you to check out a verse of scripture. It's going to come on the screen, uh, 1 John chapter 2. And we're going to spend most of our time in Matthew chapter 5 this morning, but I want you to notice 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 16, just to get some important things in place about this gnarly thing called lust. It says, for everything in the world. And I want to pause it for just a moment because I don't know what you think about when you think about the world. There's different um definitions to the world we're not talking about like the Grand Canyon and beautiful mountains and rivers and scenes and that kind of stuff When we're talking about the world here we're talking about the broken system that is the world that has been cursed by sin and is out to destroy everything in its path okay that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the, for everything in the world the lust of the flesh The lust of the eyes and the pride of life, we talked about pride last week, comes not from the Father, but from the world. So my lust, your lust, doesn't come from God, it comes from this broken, sin-filled world that we are in. My pride, your pride, it doesn't come from the Father, it comes from this wrecked world that we live in. So as we talk about lust today, I want to give you a definition. And I would encourage you to write it down. I think it's a definition that you ought to uh, spend some time in and thinking about. And I think it's going to help us today to get some context of how all this is coming about, okay? Here's the definition for it. It's going to be on the screen. Lust is sexual desire minus a commitment to honor the other person, okay? Lust is sexual desire minus a commitment to honor other person. There are a lot of definitions out there for lust, but I think where we're going and looking at this biblically, I think this is a great definition for us to have. Sexual desire minus a commitment to honor the other person. You're smart people. You're tracking with what's being spoken here. What we're saying is any sexual desire that is lived out Outside of a biblical marriage between one man and one woman is lust and therefore is sin. So God has given us a place, given us a place to carry out sexual desire and it's called marriage. And if you step out of that or I step out of that or you don't function within it when it comes to sexual desires, you've entered the realm of lust and it's a very, very dangerous place to be. So this whole commitment thing you can tell yourself that there's commitment to the other person when there is no marriage but you're only fooling yourself. Think about this for just a moment you got some cute kids they're 15 they're 16 they're 17 and you know, they're doing the prom thing or they're doing the whatever thing. And uh, they're, you know, got some sexual desires within them as all of us do. We just do. And um, and so they're trying to figure this whole thing out. And, and they're kind of realizing there needs to be some commit in, commitment involved. So there they are, 16, 17 years old. And they spit out three words. Three words that they think is expressing their commitment so that they can carry out their sexual desire and everything be cool. And these three words are what? I... Love you. Bull. Right? And yet the other person buys it. Oh, we're committed. We're in it to win it, baby. Oh, yeah. And we fool ourselves to think there's. Here's the problem many adults grow up and they perpetuate the problem. And they tell themselves they're committed and they tell the other person they're committed and they're not committed because there's no marriage involved, it's just not there. Well, he's going to marry me one day. He's committed. Well, I'm going to leave my wife for her. I'm committed. Did you hear what I just said out loud? People say stuff like that all the time. And they think that somehow that all works out to be commitment. We've talked about engagement, so we're committed. Oh, come on now. I think these three words, rather than I love you, I think these three words most of the time are more applicable, and they are these three words. I lust you. I lust you. That's all it amounts to. That's all it amounts to. The word committed comes into play when we read the words of Jesus, and I want us to check out Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and verse 28. Again, these are words of Jesus, and, man, we ought to listen deeply, deeply to what he is saying, okay? If you need a Bible, there should be one in the seat in front of you underneath. You can grab one there, a black Bible will be on page 802 there. It's also going to be on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. Jesus is teaching um, what we know now as the Sermon on the Mount. It was his first like, let me sit down and just teach you. So his heart's open, his mouth's open. He's expounding wisdom and love and grace and truth upon his hearers. He's giving it to them then. He's wise enough to make sure it gets written down and it gets um, all the way to us thousands of years later so that we can hear. And notice that he talks about this hard subject of lust in the middle of his sermon, Matthew chapter 5 verse 27. You have heard the commandment that says, and only pause for just a moment. He was talking to a group of Jewish people that grew up hearing the Jewish commandments of the Old Testament. He knew that they had heard the commandments. He knew they knew the Big Ten, if you will. And there was way more, but he knew that they knew these things. And it's very likely that most people in the room this morning have heard what he's about to say, but it's possible that maybe a couple people in the room this morning haven't heard what is about to be said. And so what you're about to hear is a big deal. It is coming from Jesus, and you need to receive it for what it is, which is truth, and it's helpful, and it is part of what we need to implement into our lives. And here's what he says. You have heard the commandment that says, You must not commit adultery. He's like, you've heard that, and you know that. Here's what he's saying. You've got to be faithful to your spouse. You can only have sex with the person that you're married to. All of your sexual desires should go towards and be reserved for the one that you are married to. And some of you are like, wait a minute, hold up, hold up, I'm single. What do I do? What, what, I'm, I'm single. What, what, How does this work out for me? i got a word for you. Wait. That's hard, man. I know it's hard. But this isn't my idea. It's the idea of Jesus. And I know what you're going to push back with. You're going to say, nobody else is waiting. I will push back on you and say, not true. There are followers of Jesus who are taking serious the words of Jesus and the steps of Jesus and they are waiting. Now, I would agree with you. Most people aren't waiting. But you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been called by Jesus to wait with that until you get into marriage. He never said following me was going to be easy. How about this one? I'm married, but my spouse really isn't there for me. What do I do? Wait. Pursue them, love them, wait. Jesus goes on in verse 28. He says, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Whoa, 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 what? This is like really strong language. He's like kind of taking this to a whole other level. What's going on here? Well, what I do know is going on here. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to make sure that you know and I know that this whole lust thing, this whole sexual desire being carried out outside of marriage is a very, very dangerous thing. So pay attention to me, he's saying. Listen to what I'm saying right now. What you're toying around with, this assassin called lust, it's incredibly, incredibly dangerous. He knows how many things are out there and how many people that are out there that are trying to get our attention. Notice it says, but I say, this is not the word of Kyle. This is not the word of Holland Chapel. This is not the word of just somebody. This is the word of Jesus. And he says, here's what I say. Okay. Jesus says, who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Jesus is our savior. Remember who he is. Jesus is the one who died for us. Think about this. He's forgiven you of all of your sin. And if you're a believer, you are forgiven. He didn't forgive you so that you just go on about doing whatever you wanted you to do, you want to do. He forgave you so that you could be different. He is for us, not against us. He wants what is best for us. We can trust him. We should trust him. We should always listen to him. And notice what he says in verse 28. But I say, anyone, sounds like he's talking to Anyone. So he's talking to me. He's talking to you. He's talking to your kids. He's talking to your grandma. Oh, weird thought, dude. I know. I I, I know. Here's what I'm saying. Listen to me. Here's what I'm saying. Young, he's talking to you. Not grown, he's talking to you. Should be grown, he's talking to you. You're in the middle of kind of your your life right now. He's talking to you. You've reached the retirement stage. He's talking to you. Man, woman, boy, girl, doesn't make any difference. He's talking to you. You're at college right now. He's talking to you. You're in junior high right now. He's talking to you. You're in the prime of your life. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. He goes on to say, but I say anyone who even looks so he's making this connection for us that what's happening in our hearts and with our lives is, is very much so tied to our eyes. He makes this connection to be careful what you look up, look at or look up. Um, I grew up singing this little song, maybe you did too. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. It's a good song. And some of us aren't being careful. I think there's a lot of prophecy in this passage of scripture. He was talking to a group of people who did not have the availability that we have today. He was talking to people who wore robes that started here and went down to here, right? He was talking to a group of people who most of the time the woman's head in the group or the women's heads in the group that would be completely covered, like the uncovering would not necessarily be there very often. And he was talking to their eyes then. But I'm here to tell you, he's talking to our eyes today. We have more access to anything that we want to, can, can, should, shouldn't look at than ever before. It's in your pocket right now or it's in your hand right now. It's just there. And I think when he spoke this, he knew that he was talking to people like you and I who are going to have incredible access to look at anything or anyone, anytime. And he's saying, listen, you can't be doing that. You just can't be doing that. If there are parents in the room right now, and your kids are in here, and you're wondering if we're going to go too far with this conversation this morning, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you on the front end, we're not going to go too far. Uh, For instance, um, if your kid is in here and they can understand the words that I'm saying, I'm not going to say anything this morning that they have not heard, been exposed to, or experienced in some shape, form, or fashion already. In fact, if you're a parent and you've given your kid a phone, you have given them access to everything that is out there. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm just saying, like, they have access. Hopefully you're locking that thing down and you're being incredibly careful. and Hopefully you got accountability with that thing. But I'm just telling you, my kids who kind of hate me right now because I won't give them a phone, like, all the time. Like, when you give me a phone, man, like, give me a break, dude. You know, anyway, I won't give them a phone. But here's the thing. My kids don't have a phone, but I'm smart enough to know that all of their friends do. Hey, come over here and check this out. Like on the playground at school, hey, check this out. School hadn't even started yet. Look what I got. Whoa, all of it right there, right? On guard all the time. And some of you are adults and you've got these devices and they have become your vice and they've gripped you and they're holding you and it's got you. And Jesus knows that. And so he's speaking into this. He's teaching us. He's warning us. He's pleading with us for our sexual purity. Why? He knows it's an assassin that can and will take us out. Think about this for a moment. If you know that someone's an assassin, you going to have dinner with them. If you know someone's an assassin, hey, man, let's meet up for coffee. If you know someone's an assassin, hey, here's all my personal information. Home address right up there. Yeah, and here's our work schedule you going to give them access in your life? Absolutely not. Listen, lust is an assassin. Sometimes it comes to you in the form of a person, and you're hanging out with it, and it's going to destroy you. And Jesus is saying, he's pleading with you, don't, don't do it. So with that, I want to get to our big idea this morning, and that is this, okay? We must get rid of lust because it is not just. That's good, and that rhymes, doesn't it? Y'all catch that rhyme? I worked hard on that rhyme. In fact, while I was working on it, we must get rid of lust because it's not just. I was thinking about some other words that rhyme with it. The word that I just kept coming back to, I couldn't fit in there, but maybe needs to be fit in there, was the word cussed. I don't know. Anyway, um, that wasn't funny for some of you. I don't know why I found that to be funny. I just found it to be one word. Anyway, we must get rid of lust Because it's not just. Now, I want to add to that, okay? I want to take this a little bit further. We must get rid of lust because it's not just no big deal. Okay? We must get rid of lust because it's not just no big deal. Some of you right now are like, why are we even talking about this, man? Like, you kidding me? You think this stuff matters? Like, you think this is a big deal? Jesus thinks it's a big deal. Jesus thinks it's a big deal. And so it matters to him. It matters to him. He knows that it's going to hurt your soul. He knows that it's going to damage your self-image. He knows that it's going to limit you in your ability to reflect him. He knows that it's going to thwart your ability to connect with others and to love others. He knows that it's going to cause you not to have pure thoughts. So we must get rid of lust because it's not just no big deal. Now let me add to it again. We must get rid of lust because it's not just according to Jesus. Now let me see what let me let me go with what we're saying here. When we say the word just now, we're saying it's not just meaning it's not right. It's not holy. It's not honorable according to Jesus. Jesus' says, lust has got to be out of our lives. It's not who I saved you to be. It's not who I died for you to become. And so he's saying to me, he's saying to you, it's not right, it's not honorable, it's not holy, it's not of me. So how are we going to get rid of it, man? Like I'm hearing all this and like it's kind of working on me right now. Maybe some of you are feeling some conviction or some guilt or whatever. And maybe some of you are even wondering like, is somebody going to look at my search history? Or is this person going to talk to that person? There's just fear in your heart right now because of some things you've been doing. And you're you're like at that place like, ooh, th- I, yeah, th- this has got to stop. How do I get rid of it? How do I get rid of this in my life? Is it we grit our teeth? Is it we decide not think about it anymore or just wish it away. Let's see how this works. Let's see how gritting our teeth, deciding not to think about it anymore and wishing it away works, okay? If you work with me here, and here's what I know. When I ask people to do this, they know I'm almost done with my sermon. I'm not almost done with my sermon. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes, okay? We're not almost done with the sermon. Close your eyes. Nobody looking. Nobody's gonna creep up on you or anything like that. Nothing like that, okay? Close your eyes, okay? Close your eyes. Now, with your eyes closed, I want you to not... Please do not think of a pink elephant. Okay, just don't, don't, don't get that image in your head. Don't go with it. Grit your teeth if you have to to get rid of that picture. Okay, whatever you have to do to get that pink elephant out of your head. Decide right now that you're gonna not think of it anymore. If you want to wish it away, try right now to say, "I wish I don't think of a pink elephant." Like try, 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 try. Okay. All right. Now open your eyes. How'd that work out for you? How many of you in the room, like, you were able to think of an elephant, but it wasn't pink? Or you just kept the color pink in your head, but there was no elephant? Or you just couldn't get rid of it all, and then you opened your eyes and doggone it if it wasn't there. What we just got was a taste of reality. Okay? The images, the opportunities, it's in front of you all of the time. Some of you watching a ball game yesterday, right? You're like watching a ball game. You're like, really, that's the commercial going to come on right now? I'm not trying to think about this stuff right now. And there it is. You're trying to buy toothpicks on Amazon. They're advertising all this over here. You're like, really, right now? Come on, man. Come on. The pink elephant always in front of us, and we try to grit our teeth. We try to decide not to think about it. We try to make wishes. Maybe we've even prayed a lot of prayers, and it's just still there. How are we going to get rid of it? Some of you right now, you are bound up. In impurity. Like right now, it's just got its grip on you. Like it, it wasn't but just last night that you were looking, you were lusting, you were touching, you were doing. It's just, it's got you. You got some plans coming along like that over here and over there. And it's just, it's got you. Some of you right now are on the verge of blowing it big time. You are considering doing things that are ungodly and unholy and in your mind somehow you've you've figured it all out, that it can work out and you're going to be okay. And in this moment, though, you recognize that you don't want that. It's not who you want to be. It's not where you want to go. And so how, how do you get out of it? Let me give you three steps that are going to get you on the pathway to freedom. They're not magic, um, they're not all-inclusive, but they're three huge things that I think that if you'll take these steps, you're going to find yourself getting a picture of what freedom looks like and where it comes from and potentially can be able to experience it. Number one, you've got to admit your weakness. You've got to admit your weakness. You've got to be honest with yourself, first of all, that, man, this is an area where I could go down. This is an area where I'm weak. This is an area where I am susceptible. This is an area where I see the laser on my chest a lot. Okay? You've got to admit your weakness, and here's how we admit our weakness. First of all, talk to Jesus. Okay? Talk to Jesus. You're not going to tell him anything he doesn't already know, but you need to tell him what he already knows. He needs to know that you know. He needs to know that you're aware. He needs to know that you're in this thing with him. He needs to know that he didn't die in vain and you're just, you know, la 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 going through life and you don't care what happens to you anymore and you're going to take it out. He's like that's not why I died. For you I died for you to give you life, to protect you and to give it to you more abundantly. Like talk to me, talk to me, get with me. You need to talk to Jesus about this very thing, in particular this morning about lust. You need to talk to Jesus. Maybe some of you in the room you're like I've talked to Jesus. Like, in fact, in the last month, I've talked to him about a hundred times about this very thing, and I'm still stuck. Let's go a little further with this, with the plan of Jesus for us, okay? You need to talk to Jesus, and we're going to take it a step further. This is where a lot of you stop short. You need to talk to someone who is like Jesus. Brought some flesh and blood in this, didn't I? I brought another person into this. I brought some reality into this. You got to talk to Jesus, but you also need to talk to someone who is like Jesus. If you're married, it could be your spouse. But listen, if it's not your spouse, guys, it needs to be another dude, and ladies, it needs to be another lady. No question. Okay? You need to get with another man if you're a man. Who is like Jesus, who's going to talk to you like Jesus, teach you like Jesus, treat you like Jesus, speak to you like Jesus, pour grace over you like Jesus, and tell them that you're weak in this particular area. Ladies, you need to do the same thing with another lady. Look at what scripture says in James chapter 5. James chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, Confess your sins to each other. Now, here's what I know every time I teach on this scripture or tell somebody they need to do this scripture, I get pushback. Because y'all have been like up in the Baptist doctrine so long, right, that y'all will tell me, I'm, I'm just telling you, y'all will tell me it's just between me and Jesus, just between me and Jesus. He's the only one, just me and Jesus, and you are building a false wall of protection around yourself, and it's going to get you. The Word of God, not me, says confess your sins to each other. Now, who forgives me of my sins? Who paid for my sins? His name is Jesus and Jesus who did all of that is telling me right now that if I'm struggling I need to get with another brother if I'm a lady I need to get with another sister and I need to confess my sin to them they need to know where I am weak look it goes on to say confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed notice it doesn't say heard This is deeper than that. If you want somebody just to listen to you, you can pick anybody off the street, they'll listen to you. I don't know what they'll tell you in return. I don't know who else they'll tell about what you told them. But This isn't about being heard. This is about being healed. And when you get with Jesus and you get with somebody who's like Jesus and you carry out James chapter 5 and verse 16, the humility saying, man, this is where I'm weak. This is where I fall. This is where I have failed. This is where I've sinned. Healing is possible in the name of Jesus. Some of you have not experienced healing in this area of purity because you have not been willing to get with someone else who is like Jesus. Again, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. It could be that you're so wound up in your sin right now that your prayers aren't really getting past the ceiling. And you need another godly person who's humble, who's like Jesus to pray for. You ever borrowed somebody's faith? Here's what I mean by that. Like you're going through life and things are just kind of hard. And things are coming at you so fast and so wrong and so out of sorts that you're just kind of, you're kind of losing your ability to believe that God's in charge. You're kind of losing your ability to believe that he can fix things and that he can, he can redeem things. And then you have somebody comes around you and they just speak words of life and of hope and of faith. And you're like, man, I wish I had faith like theirs. Right? and and you find yourself having a little bit more faith because you are around their faith, it's potentially possible that some of you need somebody else to pray for you right now with this whole area of sexual impurity that you are stuck in so that you can experience healing, healing. Another quote I'll throw on the screen is this, you're only as strong as you are honest. So what am I saying? I'm saying there's some weak people in the room. Like, you can tell everybody you're strong, but you're not because you're not being honest with people. You're only as strong as you are honest. Number two, battle with Scripture. And I don't mean, like, do battle with Scripture, but, like, go to battle with Scripture. Like, fight the battle with Scripture. Um, Follow the example of Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit was led into the wilderness to be tempted, whoa, look at that, tempted there by the devil. Now There's a lot going on here, but I want to encourage you a little bit to notice a couple things. One, this word tempted, Jesus was tempted just like you and me. He was God, but he was also a man, all right? He dealt with what I deal with, he deals with what you deal with, he deals with it all, and Satan came to him to tempt him, to put in front of him visually What he thought he could get Jesus to go for, and he could lure him in, just like he lures me in and lures you in with all his silly stuff. And Jesus, three specific, very, very specific times is tempted by Satan. And as Jesus is tempted by Satan, guess what he does all three times to resist temptation? He quotes the Word of God. He doesn't have a conversation in his head. He doesn't try to figure it out. He doesn't try to justify it. He doesn't try to make sense of it all. He quotes the Word of God. If Jesus needed to quote the Word of God to resist temptation, whole oh yes, you and I need to quote the Word of God to resist temptation. Last month we talked about being in rhythm, and one of the rhythms we need to be in is in the Word of God. It's not so you can check a box and everybody will think you're a good Christian because you read your Bible today. We're talking about life and death here. You need the Word of God in your life to protect you from being assassinated by the assassin of lust. You need to speak the Word of God into these situations, the power of the Word of God into these situations. Man, you got to put on the armor of God. You need to remember who you are. Put on the, the helmet of salvation. This comes from Ephesians. Helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness, knowing that, you know what? That dot is right on me right now, so I'm going to put the breastplate of righteousness on me. The shoes of the gospel, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Go to battle with that thing and put the belt on. Why do you put the belt on? To keep your pants up. All right, they got it. All right. But it ain't funny, is it? It's like real. All right, number three. Establish boundaries. We call this making decisions ahead of time. Um, If I was uh, doing what I was doing about 20 years ago, talking to students all the time, uh, I would say something like this, all right? There would be a lot of different ways I'd put it, but I would say something like this. I'd say, like, don't wait till you're in the back of the car to make a decision. Decide now to not get in the back of the car. All right, there's adults in the room. Don't wait till you're in the back of the car to make a decision. Decide now to not get in the back of the car. Or whatever it is that that represents for you in which you find yourself weak and susceptible to temptation. Make decisions ahead. Look at Proverbs chapter 22 verse 3. Proverbs 22 verse 3 going to come on the screen here for you, I think. A prudent person, a wise person foresees danger and takes precautions. I'm standing on a railroad track. I kind of hear a rumbling down the way. I hear a toot toot. I think it's coming for me. I'm a wise person. I'm going to step off the railroad track. A simpleton or a foolish person goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. A train will obliterate you. Lust will too. And some of you, you are like on the train tracks right now and you're like, "Oh, I think I can wait to the last second and this is going to be fun and I'll jump out of the way. I can tell you stories. Don't do it. Don't be foolish. Make decisions now. Well, what kind of boundaries are we talking about? Well, I could talk to you about some of the boundaries that I have in my life. But here's what I know. Um, My stage of life and who I am and where I'm weak and when I'm weak is not necessarily where you are in life and where you're weak and when you're weak. You've got to come up with these. Again, you need some godly people in your life like we were talking about earlier to help you set these boundaries so that you can be protected. And some of them are like just there, like just obvious, like they ought to be there, but you need to make sure that they're there. You've got to have them. So let me ask you a few questions to help you begin the thought process of what boundaries look like for you, okay? Question number one, coming on the screen for you. Where, where are you weak? And I could put it this way, when are you weak? Where and or when are you weak? Where you're just not spiritually... You know, you just know that there's this time over here and there's this thing over there and there's this big project that's going to happen at work or happens every year and whatever. And as a result, you're just kind of drained. You're just kind of weak. You're not on point. You're physically, emotionally just kind of drained and you are weak. Where and when are you weak? You better be on high alert during those seasons. And you better have some people around you who are on high alert as well. Next question, very similar, just a little bit different, but that is this. Where and or when are you vulnerable? When is it that you tend to just kind of relax a little too much? You just kick back just, and you just kind of think, man, right now I'm good. And I'm so relaxed. And it creeps up on you and you know it's coming and you just, you just stay on the railroad track and you, you just need to recognize that and get off. Where and when are you vulnerable? Next question. When are you most likely to get caught in the crosshairs that could destroy what you treasure most? Man, there's a lot in this question, and I just want to pick a couple things out. Uh, when are you most likely to get caught in the crosshairs that could destroy what you treasure most? First thing you've got to answer is, what do I treasure most? What is it at the end of the day that I just cannot lose? I cannot give up. If your answer is, well, what I treasure most is myself, then you're going down, and you're going to go down hard. If you're married, your spouse ought to be on that list. I'm going to say that one more time. If you're married, this is when you should, mm-hmm, amen, uh-huh. If you're married, your spouse should be on that list. Yeah, that was terrible. I don't know if y'all scared right now or what. Um, if you got kids, and you think they're not involved, <laughs> you think they're not going to be affected? There's some people in the room tell you yes, they are. <laughs> Thank you, little man. I don't know what he's speaking from there, but he knows what he's talking about. Out of the mouth of babes, right? And you might want to think about there's little those little those little mouths. And, man, I'm telling you, what do you treasure most? I, I just think as believers. Jesus and our relationship and our witness for him ought to be high, high on the list. I'm going to say that one more time. As believers, that's like a Sunday school, like toss it up. As believers, Jesus ought to be on our list. Thank you. Whew, man, y'all scared me this morning. All right, when, are you, when are you most likely to get caught in the crosshairs? When's that moment for you? And Have you thought through like, no matter what, I'm not giving this up and I'm not giving that up. And I'm not going there, and I'm not doing that. And that's not worth it. Because if you wait till you get in the moment, you will figure out some goofy way. How do I know this? Because I'm goofy too. I can convince myself of anything if I'm not careful, that it's okay, that it's all right, that I'm going to get away with it, that nobody else is going to know or find out, and it's all a lie. It's all a lie. Okay? It's all a lie. I want to wrap up with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to read this, and then we'll be done. And I'll say a couple things before we read it. Listen, if you are not yet a Christian, uh, man, I just want you to know that, like, if if I don't I don't know what God's doing with this right now in your life. Maybe He's causing you to see some things that aren't right and that are sinful. I would believe that He's using that to point you to His Son, whose name is Jesus, so that you can receive Him and be saved forever. He can forgive you of all you have ever done. Um, Like, uh, He can forgive Kanye. Um, The best post I saw about Kanye was this. I'm not surprised that Jesus forgave Conway. I'm most surprised that he forgave me. So if you're stuck in your sin right now, I'm telling you, Jesus can get you out. He is your Savior. He is Redeemer. We want you to be saved today. Okay, If you're a believer... And you've gotten caught up in this web and all these lies and all this stuff. Listen, it ain't going to be easy and it ain't going to be pretty. Grace is never pretty. It's always messy, but it's always glorious. And as you will step into the grace of Jesus and admit your weakness, like we were talking about earlier, confessing your sin to Jesus and confessing your sin to a brother or sister in Christ who's like Jesus, the healing process can begin for you. And that's where some of you are at today. You need to begin that healing process. Look at what First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three through eight says. God's will for you is to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. So, if there was any question in your mind that this stuff only applies to like married people, it applies to everybody—married, single, divorced. It doesn't make any difference. Here's what the Word of God says: Stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion, like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this manner by matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins. Whoa. As we have solemnly warned before you warned you before. Verse 7 God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching. But is rejecting God, who gives you His Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we bow before this morning. Wow, I need your word. I need your spirit. I need your help. And on behalf of your people, I'm just going to say we need your word. We need your spirit. We need your help. Help us to take whatever steps we got to take, do whatever we got to do, to get out of whatever we're in, to get away from whatever is creeping up on us, to get out off the railroad tracks, to get the laser beam off of our chest. Protect us, O oh God. May we run to you, Jesus, the Author and Finisher of our faith our Savior, our protector, our redeemer, our friend, our fighter for our soul. We need you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray.